This episode of Full Armor Radio is brought to you by CR101 Radio Network. CR101 Radio Network is a Christian reconstruction internet radio station that hosts and broadcasts lectures, sermons, and podcasts 24-7. You can learn more at CR101Radio.com. We're also brought to you by GCS Apprenticeship Program, which is dedicated to training the next generation of Christian teachers so they can own and operate successful and profitable Christian schools. You can learn more at gcsapprenticeship.com. And now to the show. Hello and welcome to Full Armor Radio. I'm your host, John O'Rourke. In today's episode, I wanted to get into a really important subject. Um, I wanted to talk about my experience with talking to uh, civil magistrates and particularly talking to city council um, here locally um, about making your local city a sanctuary city for the unborn. I've been contacted by a few people um, just asking about how I did that, how the experience was, and what I learned from it. So I thought, you know, it might be a good idea to just put that out here as one of these podcasts to help anybody who's thinking about going to their local city council or their county to try to make their area uh, outlaw abortion and get rid of any abortion clinics that they may have and get rid of um, abortifacient drugs as well. So I wanted to talk about just a little bit about the, um, the experience that we have and what I would do differently if I had opportunity to do it again. So in Bristol, Tennessee, we have an abortion clinic. It's the it's the only abortion clinic in my immediate area. And so we decided to go to the Bristol City Council, their public meetings where you can go and speak before the city council members and basically make any request that you want um, with regard to city business. So there's the mayor and then there's the other the city council members, usually up on the up on the um stage there up on the desk is the city manager as well as the city attorney as well who are not part of city council but they um, are important advisors and um, have really important roles but I'll get to that in a little while. So we decided to um, in the first place go and just speak publicly um, at the public city council meetings for Bristol they do them once a month so we decided to go and speak and and implore them to shut down the abortion clinic and to outlaw um, abortion in our area via a city ordinance. So let's talk about that for just a minute. I'm not going to go over in detail everything about um, you know city council um, and city ordinances outlawing abortion right now. Um, but basically, the idea is that the city um, that you live in that has an abortion clinic can interpose itself in between the state and the unborn who are being murdered. So basically what that means is that they're standing in the gap between an unjust law up here at the state level and then down at the, you know, so they can protect those who are being victims of the unjust law, namely in this case the unborn who are being murdered. So, for example, Tennessee state regulates abortion. It doesn't outlaw it. It lets you do it. So what we're asking the city to do is to stand in the gap and say, no, Tennessee state laws are unjust with regard to abortions. We're going to stand in the gap and protect our unborn here in Bristol, uh, in the city of Bristol. 
so that that's the idea in a nutshell um and that's what lesser magistrates like city council members have the duty to do when the state has an unjust law um, they have to go in and stand in the gap and there's plenty of examples of interposition throughout american history where you know lesser magistrates are standing in the gap um, to protect their people from unjust laws that come down from on high so that's kind of the basics but i'm not going to talk about that so much today i want to talk about my experience with city council so this is really for people who already kind of understand that they're thinking about well how can i go and speak to city council what should i know you know i've never done it before <laughs> so what happened was like i said we went and spoke um publicly and afterward like during the, the speech that i made i said i'd like to sit down with you all and discuss what you can do to protect the unborn in the city of Bristol. So we went a couple times, and I got an email um, from the city manager. And I'll say this just by way of, of practical advice. Um, it ended up in my spam folder or my junk folder, so I didn't get it right away. So if you're contacting your city council members, you might want to check your spam folder or junk folder just in case it ends up in there. For some reason, it did. Even though I emailed them, um, it didn't show up in my inbox. So I, I missed it for a few weeks. So anyway, so I, I got an email from them and set up a meeting, not with any of the city council members, but they set up a meeting with, with the city manager and the city attorney for me. And what I learned in that meeting was that the city manager and city attorney are very important players, at least in Bristol, Tennessee, but I, I imagine it's really for most cities um, in the way that they're made up, because the city attorney is the person who's going who would be able to write a city ordinance that would outlaw abortion, and in this case, the city attorney also advises the city council on legal matters, so lawmaking, ordinance making, um, as well as advises the police to enforce city ordinances. So the city attorney has a lot of influence power over city council and the, and the police in the city. So um, in this case, for her, it was all about it was all about her, the city attorney. Whatever whatever she believed is pretty much what's going to go um, here. Because if she said to the city to the council, "Hey, you shouldn't vote in favor of this ordinance," well, then they probably wouldn't. Fact of the matter is, though, she wouldn't even approve or write an ordinance um, for them to even consider. So, in the story of what our city council, or really our city manager and city attorney, said there in Bristol, was their opinion was that Roe versus Wade is the law of the land, and they can do nothing about it. Okay, that's not really a surprise that they said that. Um, they're of course very wrong about that. Roe versus Wade is not the law. Um, in any way, shape, or form. Roe versus Wade is the Supreme Court's opinion. Um, it's not federal law. So that's not really relevant to this issue. Even if it was federal law, there's still the concept of interposition, where you're standing in the gap between an unjust, unjust law from the higher magistrates, and you as a lesser magistrate are going to protect the people who are being oppressed or abused, or in this case, allowed to be murdered because of the unjust law. So, you know, you can raise a question like this to your city council. Well, if the, if the Supreme Court said it's okay to kill two-year-olds, would you do anything about it? Like, if there was a daycare in your city 
and parents would bring their two-year-olds there, and the facilitator of the daycare would murder them, would you do anything about that? Would you say, well, you know, the Supreme Court said it's okay, so it must be okay. You know? Makes you wonder. Um, but that's something to bring up to them. That's, a, that's an important um, argument to make, is that would you listen to the Supreme Court no matter what they say? Because it is the opinion of the city attorney in Bristol and many other people in America that that the Supreme Court is the infallible and final interpreter of what the Constitution means. So whatever the Supreme Court says it means, it therefore means it, no matter what they say. That's ultimately the position that they take. They take um, the position that the Supreme Court is an infallible interpreter of the, of the Constitution and the final arbiter on all constitutional questions. Um, so that was kind of the, the thing that they told me. They said, we can't do anything. Um, but then the city manager said, you should go talk to state representatives, okay, which I am doing, but that's the, the side point. doesn't really make any sense, though, does it? He's saying, well, we can't do anything because Roe versus Wade is the law of the land, but the state can do something. Well, if, if Roe versus Wade was really the law of the land, what could the state do, according to their opinion, according to their view of the Supreme Court, that it's the, the high ruler, the high king? Of course, they're right, though. The state can do something, but they're also wrong in saying that the city can't do anything. Both the city, the state of Tennessee and the city of Bristol can do something about this. It's just a matter of, are they willing to? So the, the city of Bristol um, was unwilling to. They were unwilling to do this. And the question is, well, why not? Well, they're, they're unwilling because they're going to get into legal battles. And the city attorney cares much more about staying out of legal trouble than she does about the unborn. Um, she'd rather have kids be murdered in the city than have to be sued as a city. That's just the fact. That's just the facts. Um, so that's what she cares about. Um, so ultimately, that's kind of what happened. So they told me not to. They told me pretty much they can't do anything. They won't do anything and all that. So what's that mean for you all who are thinking about doing city city council meetings, talking to your city council? Keep an eye on who the city attorney is. Um, you want to figure out who they are and get to know them, befriend them, and try to be influential over them. Um, at, at least here, they, she is the key player here. She is the key player. That does not mean that the rest of the city council are not important, because they are, because ultimately they are the people who vote whether the ordinance passes into law or not in the city. But your starting point, who's going to be the key player on whether this even goes anywhere or nowhere, is your city, your city attorney and perhaps your city manager. The city attorney, like I said, is important because they influence the city council who votes on ordinances, and she influences the police who would, who would enforce the ordinance if it was passed. So if... If somehow, you know, a city ordinance was passed by a city council, but the city attorney didn't think that it should be enforced, she could say to the police, hey, don't enforce this. You're going to get into legal trouble. And then the police may not enforce it, right? Her influential power is very strong. It's very high. So you want to be really keying in on the city attorney um, as, as a starting point. And also all your city council members as well. Um, they're all very, very important, obviously. You need to get everybody on board and people who will who will vote this. And then also, when you're talking to your, your chief of police as well, 
um, in terms of the enforcement of these things if it was to be passed. So there's a lot of key, there's a lot of moving parts in this, a lot of players in it. Um, but that's really really important. So what what happened after that? Um, we had that meeting with the city a city attorney and the city um, uh, manager. So what I did in that meeting is I, I gave them this. I'll pull it up here on the screen. I gave them this um, <laughs> this thing, and it was put up in a binder. I basically gave them a biblical and logical case that abortion is murder to start with. I'm not going to go through all this because it's very long. But basically gave biblical argumentation um, that, you know, it's murder. Logical things that it's obvious. There's major inconsistencies. Um for people who are for abortion, they are upset about miscarriages, but celebrate abortions. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll console their friend who has a miscarriage, but they'll celebrate their friend who purposefully kills their child. It's, you know, we had, we had a case, um, right around this time when I met with them where a guy in a neighboring town in, in Kingsport, Tennessee, he beat up this woman who was pregnant and he killed her baby, but she didn't die. The mother didn't die. And this guy was charged with murder, murder of the fetus, right? That's so inconsistent because just down the street in Bristol, there's a guy who murders mother's babies all the time, and yet he's not charged with anything, right? Same exact thing. The only difference is the mother didn't want her child to be killed um, by this guy who beat her up versus, you know, the, um, the abortionist where mothers pay him to kill their child. Now, if you're watching this video and not listening, just FYI, I'm going to scroll through this. There are some graphic images of of killed babies because I wanted to include that in the binder so that these people are not numb to this. So just FYI, I'm going to scroll past these photos of unborn babies um, who have died. So here we go. So after that... I included in here a summary of the Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. This was pulled from uh, Matt Truella's book, which is called The Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates. This is in the back of the book. I, I just added a few things here and there. But basically, they gave them a little summary of, of what it is, how they can interpose, just so they have some foundation there. And then beyond that, I added in the precedent for Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn, which is basically just a bunch of examples of lesser magistrates interposing for the sake of, you know, justice on different issues besides abortion, like the Fugitive Slave Law in 1850, uh, Prohibition 1933, and so on, and the Sanctuary Cities now for, for immigration, as well as kind of for the unborn. People are starting to work on that, um, but it hasn't really happened in any meaningful way yet. Um, people banning vaping products, e-cigarettes, like in uh, San Francisco, which would be precedent for banning, you know, a, a, a border patient pill or something like that. That's something that you're going for. Um, and then I, I do a critique of, of the pro-life movement a little bit, that there are some faulty presuppositions that you have to get rid of um, Roe versus Wade. Um, that's kind of the idea. And then I have some additional reading sources for them. So that's kind of what I included in there at the meeting. I have no idea whether they read that or not, but I did summarize that when I talked to them, but didn't go through every bit of it because that's kind of a lot. So, like I said, in that meeting, they basically said, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to do anything. Go talk to your state representative. So I wrote them a letter, and I'm going to go through this with you all because I think this is important to speak this way 
to civil magistrates, especially when they refuse to do justice. So I'm going to read this letter and maybe make some comments on it. This is what I wrote to them after that meeting to implore them to change their mind. So this was a letter to the, to the Bristol, Tennessee city magistrates. I said, thank you uh, for taking the time to meet with me and my wife to discuss the issue of abortion in Bristol, Tennessee. Thank you as well for directing me to the state representative's offices. Um, it's also not a bad idea um, if you're a man watching this to bring alongside a solid Christian woman, whether it be your wife or another sister in Christ, um, to help with this because that way, not that, it, not that it needs to be this way, um, but it does help somewhat with rhetoric um, when they see women making these arguments as well. Um, of course, if they think that your arguments are false because you're a man, they're committing a fallacy of an ad hominem um, circumstantial. They're, they're discrediting you, not because of your arguments, but because of your gender. Uh, but nevertheless, people are fallacious. You want to just avoid those if you can up front. So bringing a solid Christian woman to be with you um, would be good. And if you're a woman listening to this, that's great. You can do it. I'd bring a man with you. Trying to have a man and a woman together is a good idea, I think, in these types of meetings, if at all possible. So I said, moving on, I said, I would like, however, to speak once again about the issue of abortion and how it should be dealt with by you at the city level. I understand that you believe that Roe versus Wade is the law of the land because you believe that the Supreme Court justices are the final arbiter of what the what is constitutional and that their decisions deserve our unquestioned obedience regardless of what they rule. That is exactly what their position is, ultimately. That's what it is. That if the Supreme Court says it, we have to obey it without question. Okay? Therefore, the Supreme Court ultimately is their god, FYI. Moving on. I believe that there are two major problems with this way of thinking. There's one, historical problems, and two, ethical problems. So here are the historical section. Historical. You told me that the Supreme Court's purpose is to be the final arbiter of what is constitutional. I do not, that, I do not believe that to be historically accurate summation of their role. Thomas Jefferson wrote on this subject in, the, in a number of places. Jefferson wrote in his letter to Mr. Jarvis in September of 1820. Here's a quote from Thomas Jefferson. You seem to consider the judges the ultimate arbiters of all constitutional questions, a very dangerous doctrine indeed, and one which would place us under the despotism, that is tyranny, of an oligarchy. Our judges and their power are the, are the more dangerous as they are in office for life and are not responsible as the other functionaries to, to the elective control. The Constitution has erected no such single tribunal, knowing that to whatever hands confided with the corruptions of time and party, its members would become despots or tyrants. It is more wisely made all the departments co-equal and co-sovereign with, within themselves than the legislative or executive functionaries act un when the, when the legislative or executive functionaries act unconstitutionally, they are responsible to the people in their elective capacity. The exemption of the judges from that is quite dangerous enough. I know of no safe depository of the ultimate power of the society but the people themselves. So Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson explicitly addressed this question and says, no, the Supreme Court is not the final arbiter on all things constitutional. That would make us an oligarchy. That is a rule ruled by the few. If they're saying, you know, whatever we say is true, so we can twist the the Constitution however we want or add things and, and that aren't even there and say that they are there and make you obey our commands, that would make them tyrants, which is right. Jefferson said in another place to Judge Spencer Roan, this is November of 1819, he wrote this, quote, If the judiciary 
is the last resort in relation to the other departments of the government, then indeed is our Constitution a completely uh, fellow de so. Here's the key part. The Constitution, on this hypothesis, is a mere thing of wax in the hands of the judiciary, which they may twist and shape in any form they may please. It should be remembered as an axiom of eternal truth in politics that whatever power in any government is independent is absolute also. In theory only at first, while the spirit of the people is up, but in practice as fast as it relaxes, independence can be trusted nowhere but with the people in mass. They are inherently independent of all but moral law. <laughs> but the key part here is he's saying if it's true that they are, that the Supreme Court is the final arbiter on all constitutional questions, that would make the Constitution a thing of wax, meaning that it's it's not actually any any fixed standard which is not what the Constitution was intended to be, clearly. So I go on. Jefferson was in clear opposition to judicial supremacy. The myth of judicial supremacy is logically incompatible with the supremacy of the written Constitution. According to the myth of judicial supremacy, the Constitution means whatever five Supreme Court justices claim it means, and all other governmental actors are duty-bound to abide by that supposed meaning, even if it's in clear conflict with the actual meaning of the Constitution, until such time as five justices revise it or a constitutional amendment overrides it. Right? So the majority of the Supreme Court, they get to decide, so that would be five, five to four. Um, that's, of course, not what was intended by this way of government in America. This definition is compatible with Jefferson's own views on the subject, which he said again, quote, You seem to consider the judges the ultimate arbiters of all constitutional questions, a very dangerous doctrine indeed, and one which would place us under the despotism or tyranny of an oligarchy. If judicial supremacy is a true doctrine, then our nation is an oligarchy where five justices decide what the laws are, just as Jefferson noted. This is clearly contradictory to the form of government that the founding fathers intended, as noted by Jefferson in the above quotations. Secondly, ethical problems with what they are doing at the city level. There's a major, eth a major ethical problem with your reasoning against establishing a city ordinance against abortion as well. Your reasoning for not outlawing the murder of babies is because people in higher magistracy are telling you you're not allowed to save babies' lives. The problem is that you won't protect babies from being murdered because some people say you can't. Even if Roe versus Wade was the law, and I do not believe that it is for the reasons stated above, it should not matter. If there was a daycare in Bristol where moms and dads could bring their kids, and the director of the daycare would cut the children into pieces, would you put a stop to that? What if the Supreme Court said it was constitutional, completely legal for moms and dads to have daycare directors rip their children apart? According to your logic, you would tell me that you can't do anything because you'd be challenged in court. Yet this is what you're telling me with regard to the unborn babies who are having their limbs ripped off and who are being poisoned to death. I was just following orders. It is not a legitimate excuse. I understand completely that you would face legal batter, battles over making a city ordinance that bans abortions. But people are dying. Where is the courage and heroism to stand up for children who are being murdered? You are all offering up unquestioned submission to the higher magistrates. The heroes of history did what was right, even if that meant standing firm against the civil government. Cory ten Boom famously hid Jews from the Nazis. This was illegal. Yet she did it anyway to save lives. She was a hero. What would you do in her situation? 
Would you simply follow the orders of the Nazis and allow Jews to be slaughtered? After World War II, the Nuremberg trials were held to prosecute Nazis for their heinous crimes. Many Nazis tried to appeal to what is now called the Nuremberg defense. That is, they would say, I was only following orders. The Nazis tried to acquit themselves by saying that it wasn't their fault. The higher authorities had ordered them to do it. This was no excuse for them, and it's not an excuse for you or for anyone else who would employ such reasoning in order to do nothing about stopping the murder of children in your city. God says to civil magistrates, including you, in Psalm 82, verse 2 through 4, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. When the magistrates told Peter and other apostles to do something wrong, they rejected their command and said in Acts 5.29, We must obey God rather than men. You all said that when it comes to making laws, we sometimes need to, quote-unquote, leave morality at the door. The city manager said that. This statement is in and of itself a moral statement regarding your approach to lawmaking, and it's therefore self-refuting. Doing nothing to stop abortion in your city is the moral decision that you are currently making. It's a sin of omission, leaving undone what ought to be done. That's super crucial. They're saying we need to leave morality at the door when it comes to lawmaking. Well, what, the, what they've done there is made a moral decision to do nothing about people being murdered, which indeed is a moral decision, an immoral one at that. I, with all humility and respect, speaking up for the unborn who are unprotected, am calling you to repent of allowing children to be murdered in your city and to do justice by protecting them by any means possible. God the Father says of Jesus' attitude towards kings or civil magistrates who did not do justice in Psalm 2, 10-12. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. God holds all people accountable, including you as civil magistrates. In order to take refuge in him, that is, Jesus, you must repent of your sins, that is, hate your sins and be sorrowful over them before God because they are wrong and violate God's perfect standard, and turn from them all, and trust in Jesus Christ to save you instead of trusting in your own good works to save you. You cannot save yourself by being a good person because you are already guilty before God by breaking his commandments, for example, lying, taking his name in vain, stealing, lusting, etc. Repent and trust in Jesus alone for your salvation, and he will forgive you of your sins. Part of that repentance should include taking a stand for the unborn to protect them from being slaughtered. We'll stop there for a second. Tried to include in there a, a, a brief gospel presentation. Um, this is really important because I really think at this point, the only civil magistrates who are going to actually have the guts to fight for this are people who are regenerated. Um, it just doesn't seem likely that somebody who's not regenerated is really going to have the guts to stand up for the unborn consistently and to do it biblically as a civil magistrate. Civil magistrates should be Christians. Okay, very clearly from this text you and I included in here, um, but Psalm 2, Psalm 82, Psalm 110, those texts really clearly teach that the civil magistrate needs to be Christian. They need to kiss the sun. They need to do what God says. Um, and non-Christians, of course, hate God and cannot submit to God's law. Romans 8 says that. With all humility and respect, I care for each and every one of you. I want all of you to be saved and forgiven in Jesus. I pray for all of you. Please do not take my words in this letter as harsh or hateful, because they are not. 
There are said to you out of love for you, love for God, and love for the unborn people who are murdered in our own backyard. I'm simply asking you to stand up and be the heroes that God will approve of, the heroes that will protect people from being killed, even if it makes their lives more difficult. Please consider these things carefully as lives are on the line. With all respect, love, humility, John O'Rourke. So that's what I sent to them and uh, received zero response um, from them. So again, this this sort of thing is is important to do, talking to city city um, councils. Um, if I did it again, this is what I would do. I would contact them privately first before going to public meetings. I would contact them privately first and try to get a meeting or two with them, see how they go. If they don't go well, if they say stuff like what they told me, I would go to public city council meetings, at least for a while, and make it known publicly to everybody what they believe. Um, and I would even say stuff like I said in this letter, you told me that you should leave morality at the door um, when it comes to making ordinances and such. People need to know that because that way next election season for your city council, you can hopefully replace them with somebody better. Um, so that's really important too. Um, be aware of your local elections and who's running for city council and maybe put Christians forward to run for city council who will do what's right here. Um, so, okay, so there's that. And then I would, uh, if it was going well, I'd keep talking to them privately um, and try to get an ordinance written up. I'd try to help them write an ordinance that's good, be a good counselor to them. And, and then, like I said, you want to talk to the city council members. You want to talk to the chief of police and get them all prepared to pass this into, into law and then enforce it. And that's pretty much the end of it. The main thing is, is to have a good, um, a good city ordinance um, that actually bans abortion in the city. So there's no exceptions to it. And um, <clears throat> that's something that um, I believe Pastor John Speed um, is writing a book on that. I actually have the rough draft of it. Um, but once he gets that out, that should be a good help to everybody on sanctuary cities and what it's, what it's going to look like. <clears throat> so he's, he's, uh, he's developing that, um, for the benefit of, of Christians doing this as well. So, um, <laughs> I think with that, we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up. Uh, I know there's kind of a lot to this, and if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Um, you can go to uh, cr101radio.com and look under the podcast, and Full Armor Radio is on there. And at the bottom of, of my podcast page, there is a contact form. Fill that out, and I'll get an email, and I can and interact with you. Um, I've spoken to people already over, uh, over the Internet. I've spoken to people on, like, Google Meet, like, video calls. From all from you know various places in the country, kind of talking about this in more detail. Please reach out if you're thinking about doing this sort of thing. Please reach out. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. It's really important work to do. But I want to say this as well. Um, besides just city stuff, really try to focus on your state as well because your state is actually the 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 place where they can make laws that will actually treat it as murder, um, meaning that anybody who kills an unborn baby will be tried for murder just as if they killed a born person. That's where true justice can end up happening. At the city level, they're not going to be putting murderers to death or anything like that. What they can do is ban 
you know, abortion, they can impose fines, um, but they're not going to be able to, you know, execute people or, or, or deal with murderers. They don't deal with murderers um, on that level, usually. Um, in fact, I don't know of any city that does. Um, city, city law and stuff like that is very confusing. Um, it's very different depending on the city. So it's not necessarily the case that my experience will match up perfectly with yours. I'm hoping that this is helpful. Um, and I, I asked somebody when I was trying to figure out more things, I asked uh, a lawyer, a Christian lawyer, and I said, I'm kind of trying to find somebody who's an expert on like city law and counties and how they work and what they do. And he's like, there's nobody who's an expert on that. So the, it's kind of a, a very hard hard thing to figure out that's why when i when i was doing this it was just kind of figuring it out as i go hopefully this helps you if you're preparing to do this that you can have a little better strategy than what i did um ultimately keep pushing forward be winsome use the bible use the gospel you know show them show the city council what they need to do and pray, pray for them, pray that God will do justice. Um, there's a proverb that says, uh, many seek the face of a ruler, but it's from the Lord that man gets justice. Remember that, okay? God turns the, the hearts of kings like streams of water in his hand. That's what we need to remember. Um, even, even these people who do nothing now, God could still change them and make them do right if we if we pray to him so i hope that was helpful uh, like i said if you have any questions please contact me you can learn more about the ministry at fullarmorministries.org and thanks so much for listening and god bless you